your boy Johnny. I'm down here with my host, co-host, host, co-host. Hey, this is Richard Lyons. Uh, go ahead, give me a shout-out, Rick. Hey, I want to first uh, uh, give a shout-out to uh, Jeff Manti, Jeffrey Manti, who wrote the book uh, Prophecy Code 2. I- I'm plugging this for him, everybody, so that you can see it. Uh, we're going to put the, his book on the website as soon as uh, uh, I get it to Johnny, and he just sent me uh, a couple copies to read, and hopefully we can get him on the show one of these times to... Uh, uh, to chat about his book and his uh, theory on some of the last days that people are really into. I, I, there's some questions, of course, I have to ask, but I'd like to give a shout-out to Larie. Give her a hello and a big kiss. Mm-hmm. 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 Listening, if she's going to be listening. And to wait, 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 Pastor Dan Wiedenhoff and to all the worship team and to everybody that's at the church and uh, that even it's going to be Fairmont Community Church which is where we're moving to on Saturday nights at uh, 5.30 we're going to be meeting there and uh, which I lead worship there so other thing I do is I play music too and I guess to all that are listening uh, thank you for listening and continue to plug us so we can actually really do this you know, throughout the United States and talk about the real hard thing, and, you know, because that's going to leave us pretty soon because our churches are headed toward a seeker-sensitive, you know, and it could, pretty soon our faith is going to be a hate crime if we don't do something about it. Anyway, go ahead, Johnny. Yeah, hey, I'd like to give a few shout-outs to, uh, let's see, the first shout-out I'd like to give out to my hero, Dr. Peter, who, without whom, None of this would have happened. Uh, I got this all going when I first heard the future of the Future Quake show out of uh, Tennessee and uh, Dr. Future and Tom Bionic, and uh, they inspired me for this whole thing. And uh, also, I'd like to give a shout out to Captain Nemo, and I'd like to give a shout out to uh, my boy Wayne Quickly, which I already did, but I got a special uh, shout out to Wayne Quickly. I have an email from Peter Good Game who says, Johnny, I can do this. How about Saturday morning, October 24th? So there you go, Wade. And there you go, Rose. We'll see if we can get Peter Goodgame to give a shout out to you. Anyway, uh, I wanted to uh, I wanted to hit uh, Mark 16:18, where Jesus says that uh, if you believe if the believers, signs of the believers will be if they shall take up serpents, if any, and if they drink any bad thing. 
This will not harm them. I wanted to get kind of really deep into this. We're going to do a study on blueletterbible.org, uh, and Richard's going to take us through, uh, it's going to cross-reference this verse and take us really deep into this, and uh, we're going to try to pull some uh, try to pull some meaning out of this mysterious passage. And uh, Rick, why don't you bring up that, why don't you bring up Mark 16:18 and read it for everybody. Got it. Got it already. <clears throat> Well, first of all, as I like to do in all scripture, is to keep things in context. And so, let's actually take a look at where the context will start. Uh, starting at Mark uh, sixteen fourteen, and it says, "Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat." This is the King James version, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them. Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. This is the end of Mark 16. All right. Now we're saying we, we focus on, uh, focusing on, uh, Mark 16, they shall take up servants, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. So, first of all, a commentary from that, that's in here, it's a Puritan guy, it is fully asserted here that the apostles of our Lord should not lose their life by poison, and there is neither record nor tradition to disprove it. But it's worthy, it's, it is a worthy Worthy of remark that Mohammed, who styled himself as an apostle of God, lost his life by poison. And had he been a true prophet or a true apostle of God, he would not have fallen into the snare. That's 2 Kings 4, 39-41. If you want to check out that verse to what is applied to not drinking a poison. Now, we go down to uh, like the cross-reference to Luke. is Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over the power of the enemy, and nothing nothing shall by any means hurt you. So now we got the other perspective, Luke's perspective, because, you know, he's outside, he's the doctor. So this is the other thing that Jesus added to that. So, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents. And, of course, we know exactly where that is. You know where that is, Johnny? Exactly when he says, power to tread on serpents. You you get that yet? No, I didn't. We go back to the proto-evangel, which is uh, Genesis Oh, the proto-evangel. Yeah. Proto-evangelion. Remember when he said, he shall bruise thy head, you know, and thou shalt bruise his heel. We have Christ in this now, right? And this is for the apostles when, you know, this is what's going to happen now. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came in, and they were baptized by the Holy Spirit. And... Now, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And plus in John, he also breathed on him. He said, he breathed on him and said, take the Holy Spirit. 
right? That's so right. That's the other thing. That's the other baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's two of them that people, some people remember, like, uh, some people do the Acts 2, but there's also one in John, so you got to put those two together. You kind of understand, because he breathed on them first, his disciples. And then when they went in the upper room, <clears throat> all the other disciples, you know, probably about, they, there's a lot of them that were there that, you know, the eyewitnesses in the upper room. And so all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came like a rushing wind. Uh, and he went, he went through the upper room and, and now here we have this power that, you know, and you gotta remember the setting of the power of where this power lied back then, before the Word of God was, uh, before the New Testament and, you know, the complete 66 books were there. This is the thing they had to do during that time frame. Not saying it's not possible that it could happen now, but that was for then before we had the Word of God. And I've so, heard that argument before. Let's be arguing against the Pentecostal movement. Well, it's not really that, but it's, it is the Word of God, though. Now that we have the Word of God, God just does not need those, uh, you know, because now we have, this is the, you know, the knowledge has increased in communications here. Now we have the full Word. And now we're blessed by the Spirit in teaching us through His Word because He doesn't need to do this as much anymore. Because you got to remember that the Pharisees were always looking for a sign. And he says, I'm only going to give you the sign of Jonah. But they always wanted, like, some miracle, or you got to do something wait, more. Wait, 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 What is the sign of Jonah? I've always wondered that exactly. Well, remember, Jesus Christ, nope. you know, in three days, and Jonah was in three days with the whale, wasn't he? And he came out of that. I know, but what's the sign of Jonah? They shall be given nothing but the sign of Jonah, of the prophet Jonah. What, what? How does that apply? What, how would that apply exactly? I mean, really. Okay, an evil and adulterous generous to seek it after a sign. And there shall be no sign given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. This is, for Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly. So the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And he rose again. That's their sign. <clears throat> but to understand, so it says, but he answered instead of them, an evil adulterous generation seek it after the sign. After a sign. And there shall be no sign given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the world, belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. So now, um, but... You know, I still don't, I mean, maybe I'm retarded, but I still don't really understand what the sign they'll be given is. I mean, no sign well, of the prophet Jonah. He has explained it. What? He, says, he says Jonah was in three days, in, you know, in the whale, and the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days. It's a fine new resurrection just about. But Oh, me, so they're but, not going to be given any sign but Jesus himself, really, is what yeah. I'm saying. Jesus himself. Oh. But it's going... So basically the sign is, well, Jesus is going to come back in the clouds. Bam, that's going to be your sign. That's what you're going to get. You're going to get... You're going to see Jesus coming back in the clouds, and this time he's angry. Yeah. You know, Jesus was a lamb. Jesus was a lamb the first time he came back, but when he comes back again, he's mad now. (laughs) He's he's coming back as... uh, uh, as the roaring lion, he's the lion, the true lion of the tribe of Judah. He's going to come roaring. That's, uh, that's who he is. So, you know, people don't realize that, 
you know, this, it, it makes me come to this certain point to people. I ask the question, who is Jesus to you, really? Who is he to you? And Johnny, well, how would you answer that? Let me ask you that question. Who is Jesus to you? He's my Savior, and he's my best friend. Okay. What else is he? He's the, he's the Lord and creator of the known universe. Yes, but here's the, here's the answer that I'm looking for. I'll give it to you now. Jesus, a lot of people say that Jesus is my Savior. That's the first automatic thing that comes up. But he's more than that first. He must be your Lord first. He must be sitting on the throne of your heart first. And that That's you that. Then, no, no, I know, but I'm not saying you particular. I'm not, this is not for you. This is to the, the wandering Christian, I call it, and uh, who's wandering in and out of the gate. They want to save her so much. They go, yeah, Jesus, Savior, 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 and he saves me. But is he Lord of your life? Is he truly he the Lord of your life? Do you do what he tells you? No, is he your Lord? Is he not just doing what, but being obedient? Is he the Lord of your life? Is he the master? The ruler. The ruler. Is he sitting on the throne of your heart? And you are his footstool. Even though some people say, well, I'm not an enemy, you were his enemy. And now he made an enemy. Uh, God said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand and I'll make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And so what that let means me give is... You a, let me give you a hard street, let me give you a hard street rendition of this. I used to hang out with this guy who witnessed to prostitutes. And, uh, you know, they usually, they belonged to pimps, you know. They were like, they, they were owned. They were all owned by somebody. And when he would go down and witnessing to him, they would try to, you know, pick up on him, you know, try to, you know, they liked him and stuff, and they'd try to, you know, work a deal out with him. And he'd say, no, I'm, he goes, I'm sorry, I belong to Jesus. And he said that they really understood that. That that shut him down right there because they understood the, they understood that, you know, being a slave to somebody, being owned by somebody. And really, Jesus is our master. We're his slave. Yeah, exactly. That's Lord, exactly. it means. What really takes the difference between people that, oh, Jesus is my Savior and uh, more, but he has to be your Lord because he is the Lord. And once we realize that we are his footstool, it is better to be his footstool sitting at the dust of this seat than we are in the world right now. So, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. A commentary, he answers this as just the insolent demand. He, condem he condemns the demand as the language of an evil and adulterous generation. He fastens the charge not only to the scribes and the Pharisees. This is Matthew Henry, Puritan Matthew Henry's commentary. Everybody knows him. Uh, but the whole nation of the Jews, they were all alike. They, they were all like their leaders, a seed and a succession of evildoers. They were an evil generation indeed that not only hardened themselves against the conviction of Christ's miracles, but set themselves to abuse him and put contempt on his miracles. They were an adulterous generation. Sound familiar? Yeah, As an adulterous sounds group, like us. It sounds like us, but you kind of usually kind of back away from that. I mean, yeah, do you think it's our generation? I mean, do you really, I mean, because that's a lot yeah. of people allude to that. A lot of people allude to that. Adulterous generation. Susan in here would probably definitely tell you that. Oh, yeah, we're just as bad as it were. Like I said, there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new. It's just another generation that's adulterous. And I know he's talking about yeah. that generation right there and there, because they were. It's just 
just as bad as we were today, you know. In fact, they were worse. Is he talking about us? But is he talking about us? No, he said they were an adulterous generation. He's talking about them during that time frame. And it's also, yes, Jesus' word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, of course, it's still addressing us. But it's addressing, and this focal point is addressing them right there. Because Matthew Henry says they were an adulterous generation. And he says, number one, as an adulterous brood, so misery degenerated from the faith and obedience of their ancestors, that Abraham and Israel acknowledged them not. And he says, see Isaiah 57, 3, if you want to understand that. Or number two, as an adulterous wife, they departed from that God, to whom by covenant they had been espoused. They were not guilty of the... They were not guilty of the whoredom of idolatry, as they had been before the captivity, but they were guilty of infidelity, and all the iniquity, and that is whoredom too. They did not look after gods of their own making, but they looked, at, looked for signs of their own devising, and it was, and that was adultery. It's starting to get a little bit clearer, the sign of Jonah, and the signs and, and treading of serpents. It's very, coming very close. He refuses to give them on other signs that he has already given them, but that of the prophet Jonas. Note, though Christ is always ready to hear and answer holy desires and prayers, yet he will not gratify corrupt lusts and humors. Okay, those, who ask, this? Wait, wait a minute, those who ask amiss, ask, and have not. Signs were granted to those who desired them for the confirmation of their faith, as to Abraham and Gideon, but were denied to those who demanded them for the excuse of their unbelief. So, that's why I wanted to finish it before you. What was your question? Well, um, just getting back to the lordship, uh, um, Susan, she she says that, that lord is a bad translation and we're not his slaves, but we're children, family, offspring. We're no, it's our kinsmen. Uh, it's strict, uh, the idea the of scripture the, strictly says, yes, we are children, but we are also slaves of Christ. We bow down. Every knee will bow. We do serve Christ and Christ alone. That is exactly what the scripture clarifies. Besides being children, we are also his footstool. It guarantees that. that. Is my understanding. Yeah. There's no, we are his children, yes. Definitely, we hear his voice. But we are also his servants. But we are, we are glad servants. We are glad to serve because our, he says, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. You know, for my yoke is light and my, my burden, burden is light. Not, yeah, my burden is light. And definitely. And that's, something, that's something I think a lot of people need to know, you know. I mean, yeah. you know, oh, we're slaves to Jesus. Oh, I don't like that. Well, Jesus said, you know, my burden is light. I don't expect that much from you, you know. Yeah, because he's the one that leads us. He's the one that bears fruit through us. Right. Well, definitely, it's his work, not ours. That's what he says to abide in him. Monergy. And he abides in you. It's definitely monergy. Monergy, not synergy. Monergy. Synergy, if everybody doesn't know what synergy means, synergy sort of means one plus one equals ten. Uh, you know, you mix this with that, you get something that's more than the sum of its parts. Well, people think that uh, synergy applies to being a Christian where you put in your part of the work and Jesus puts in his part of the work and then you get this big miracle. Well, monergy is kind of the idea that just Jesus really is doing it all through you. We abide in the we abide in the vine. Jesus is the vine. We get our power from him. Yeah, and that monergy. makes us not robots. 
It makes us not robots. It makes us know that we can't do anything. We can't, we, you know, it's like I was learning yesterday. I had a men's breakfast study, and we were studying Romans 7. And really, studying Romans 7 really hard, it really, uh, it, you know, of course, every time I get to go to study with it, it was, it's pretty, very clear who we are and who our Lord is. And he is our master. He is our best friend, but he is our Lord first. And uh, definitely, we sing songs about it. You know, there's the old hymns even, you know, which I'm trying to resurrect, you know, bring back, you know, into modern format. But uh, it talks about, you know, definitely that. But yes, agree, we're children, but she's also our Lord and Master before he is our Savior. When he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is light, my burden is not heavy, not at all. Or he says it light, like we said before. And it shows you that, you know, when you pick up your cross and follow him as, you know, being like him, he was also, he did what his father was doing also. He always did what his father said to do. He obeyed his father. And he came to serve as well. He's the one, he's still, and you know, you know something that's fascinating about this whole thing still? When I keep even expanding on it more and more, is that he's still going to serve us forever. Yeah, you know, Jesus came and washed people's feet. I mean, I please, mean, hello, hello. There's he was the other one. slave as well, you know. He came to humble himself. I mean, can you imagine God washing your feet? What, you know, what is that? What does that tell you? And you so... Know? As Luke, before I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And here's another example of why he's washing feet. Because we do uh, tread on serpents and scorpions constantly in our daily warfare, don't we? Hey, man, that's what I was thinking. That's kind of what I thought that meant. And uh, it Nobody goes on. bad things. I know I'm drinking bad things. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, you, I can say I can say to a point about uh, is to go off the note a little bit about they shall take up if they drink any deadly thing. Well, let me tell you something. Um, for most people out there, you may have a hard time with what I'm going to say, but if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And I kind of relate that to uh, my old, uh, you know, alcoholism days when I used to abuse alcohol that uh, the Lord didn't let me die, and I should have many times over, you know. Uh, in my blackouts, right, That's it. the blackout is the poison overtaking you, you, but basically almost got alcohol poisoning, you know. And I, as I was reading that about blackouts, you know, and uh, – uh, and or being on any substance that you know uh, drug abuse these are all poisons and some you know when we were talking about monarchy about the chosen and the elect that kind of started to make me understand that uh, the difference between why you know God allows some people to die and some people he doesn't and that really trips me out because that you know that kind of refuted my old thinking you know that well you know yeah you know, God doesn't want any to perish. Of course he's not. But he also, in Romans 9, he says, you know, that he also, you know, there's some that he made, you know, that right here that, that, that they're his and there's some that he chose. Like Jesus said, I chose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And uh, uh, I think about that, that that could be also part of it. I'm now speculating. I'm not saying this is for certain, everybody. But I... I'm saying, I just, like, I'm expanding on this now that I think that's what happened with me because I really abused alcohol. Uh, 
And I, sh- I should have, you know, at the time, you know, winding up in the hospital or, or, you know, uh, you know, for alcohol poisoning or things like that, I'm surprised that God loved me so much that I'm with him now and he didn't let me die of alcohol poisoning or he didn't let me die of, uh, anything else that I was putting in my body. I was still his, you know? And I, w- I still wonder to this day, that if it was when I first met him when I was 14, that he, uh, that day he called me forward and I still had to kind of, you know, be on the beaten path from the city of destruction using pilgrim progress analogy and uh, having to find my way toward, you know, uh, you know, the heavenly kingdom. So that could be that part, you know, and uh, they shall take up serpent. That's what's just right now I'm saying an analogy that, you know, I can't say it's for certain if that's what this part means. But personally, maybe the Lord's showing me this. Just, or, and maybe some of you out there that have done that and God has uh, brought you out of that you, there's just no, there was no way I could stop this poison. I think, you know? I think that's kind of an unpopular view to take, but I agree with that 110. percent Yeah, really I mean, I'm not saying that that's I, one aspect of that. I really do believe yeah, that. This one, that one. One way to interpret that, because just think about it. I mean, yeah. no matter what you, no matter what you did, no matter what you drank, no matter what the serpents you stepped on were. I mean, yeah, it was all bad and everything, but I mean, but what happened? Uh, you, uh, Satan wasn't able to take you uh, out of Jesus' hands. I mean, that's uh, you know, that's basically what I mean. That's me. What I, it says that you know. I mean, that's one way to interpret that. I mean, uh, Jesus wouldn't let you go. You know, and um, what to me what that means, I mean, one aspect of it is that, you know, like, um, what if you did some drug? Would you turn into a Satan worshiper? No, because uh, Jesus wouldn't let go of you. I mean, if you're really a child of God, I mean, people argue, if you're a child of God, you wouldn't do that in the first place. And, you know, people fall, though. You know, people fall, people backslide, and there's a lot of people. Jesus just won't let go of them if they're really, if Jesus really loves them, and you really came to an understanding of Jesus in the first place, you could slip up and Jesus isn't going to let go of you. It, that's, that's what that verse means to me. But now we do have people in the in the deep south that are um, usually of the Pentecostal persuasion, and they literally do in their services, in their church services, uh-huh. they literally do take up snakes, get bitten by them, and drink arsenic, Drano, and all kinds of other poison, and they don't die. And some of them do die, oh, and they yeah. conclude that they're not really saved. <laughs> no, you know, what do you, you think know, of that, Rick? What do you think of that? That's where I get the term snake bite Pentecostal. That's where yeah. I get from people. I've seen that. Be- I've seen that before, and uh, uh, I-, I say first of all, the-, the verse that comes to mind is, "Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God." So. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Uh, that's the only. That's just what comes to my heart. It's like I would never purposely, uh, you know, it's, I just would never, you just, that's just not, that's not common sense, it's just, I mean, even though we go beyond common sense of miracles and stuff, but he just, that's just, you know, like, none of the apostles did that, in fact, when people were really getting, you know, you got to remember Simon the Sorcerer was into that kind of stuff. And what did Peter say to him, you know? The example of these people who are taken out of context is, here's, here's the context of part of this verse, and it's an Acts. And 
and I'll read it to you. You know, this is part of it. It first is uh, when we use this verse in Mark. It first is it. I'll read out the scriptures for you to look at. The first scripture is Genesis three fifteen, which we already quoted before. Um, Psalm ninety one thirteen adds, "Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder." The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. But he said also on the lion. So, you know, who knows? But we want to go out, out and, uh, like, except for me, you know, I'm just joking, people, because I love mountain lions. If I treaded on you, but, do you think Jesus would save me from you if I treaded on you? <laughs> I'd probably, uh, nah. <laughs> would I get hurt first and then Jesus would save me? Yeah, but you might, you might hurt worse. You might not like the gas that comes out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, let's use this uh, an example. Acts 28, uh, uh, Acts chapter 28, uh, verses 3 through 6. Here's an example of what this verse means. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened onto his hand. Basically, it bit him. And this was a very poisonous snake because it, uh, it was described... If this was an adder. I get this is probably the snake that they were talking about, but they were waiting for Paul to blow up because you're just, you know, hey, you puff up, you puff yeah, up. Yeah, and, and when the barbarians, this I love that. I love this about King James. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, "No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he had escaped the sea, yet vengeance, vengeance suffereth not to live." And he, and Paul. He shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit, they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a, a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. But um, don't take that out of context. That's just this is what they, they, mis- you know. they misinterpreted. They misinterpreted that. Well, that was in in games. You want another version? Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, we'll go use another version. All right, okay. Yeah, well, it says, when the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said, one or another, no doubt this man is a murderer, though though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He however shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they awake, had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a, a god. So, yeah, it's actually... That's another version. It agrees. Yeah. So I, they were wrong, but they wouldn't. You know, that's what they thought. They thought things like that back then. Well, that's you see, you understand. That's what they thought the gods were, and Augustine totally said, "Hey, there's a gods made with hands, or they made people god." You know that. And if you go back into, I, I think Peter Goodgame would agree that uh, Nimrod and Semiramis and uh, uh, Tammuz, they all thought they were they revered them as gods, and they did that to Caesar. They've done that to Alexander. Uh, that society did that, of course, when Plato came around. They're like, no, no man could ever be a god. So he kind of, and Socrates, but that's probably why they got killed. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. Also, uh, another thing that happened, too, was uh, that Nimrod and all a lot of the other um, figures uh, were actually deified later by later generations. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. The deified Nimrod became all kinds of things. Yeah. Now, Peter Goodgame can expound on that and just yeah, trip your he, mind he, out. He became, uh, some say, I mean, maybe uh, Peter Goodgame, I've read that he became Baal. Some say he's related to Allah uh, because of the moon symbol, and uh, they still do Ramadan. Uh, it, it's all part of that stuff. The moon god is also. Peter Goodgame yeah, would say that he became Osiris. That's yeah. his premise. 
I mean, talk about all the other. I think each religion has uh, it's the same story. Uh, it's the same story. Right, only fit differently. No. That's, he says that too. That uh, every religion has basically the same story. Every false religion, and it's all given a different bent, but it's all based on the deified Nimrod. I also listened to the worldly side of, uh, I guess, uh, that one quack of the Zeke guys. Uh, 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 stuff, you know, that just tries to say Christianity falls into that category, uh, which, you know, it doesn't because, but that was still the idea. It's kind of funny that it's still the idea because it, it, it remembers that that was the prophecy and that all the other ones mistook the prophecy. All those other God things mistook what, you know, Genesis, because Genesis was around. It was on clay tablets. Oh, yeah. So, you know, they wrote it down on stone tablets, definitely, or whatever they had. I believe that they had, uh, you know, write, more writing tools than we give them credit for. And so oh, because yeah. they, I believe, I know it because you got to remember, I, if you ever heard of Dr. Kenneth Hovind and I think Dr. Walt Brown, you know, the, the, the scientists and stuff, I like the idea. I think they called it teleology. I mean, if anybody has the right word, go ahead and let me know later. I, I in this, you know, you're reading it. But that each in Genesis, just going off the track a little bit, has its each story uh, that was written by a different author. Like some say at first that God wrote the first, uh, you know, that Adam wrote it, definitely. In the beginning, God created it. But, you know, they say some people believe that God wrote the first chapter when he was walking on the earth with Adam, that he wrote it down and says, okay, this is, you know, and then uh, after that, and, it says, and then in the days of, uh, you know, these were the days of, you know, Adam and his wife, he would be in the next, like in chapter three, then uh, uh, down the line, uh, the genealogy would come up, and Noah was doing the geo, you know, and then, then these were the days of Noah, but not, you know, and, and they would just start talking about the genealogy. And somebody took that over. They said there was like ten different different authors of Genesis. So, and it all went all the way down, I think, even to Abraham. And, uh, but I, it's, uh, I thought he, Moses was pretty much the sole author of Genesis. Uh, no, he, he was. Moses. But, they had the tablets and stuff, so he had to, he edited uh, Genesis, so it was passed down. This is uh, what this is this is why I was told it was a theory, but it made more sense because of, of how Genesis and and then in the days that it was it was you know Moses spent time with God, so either that he wrote it out, but they say Moses edited it because you know there's a lot of things that you know went on, so he got to the point. When he sat on them, you know, that's probably why he was gone for, you know, 40 days up there on the mountains and stuff. Right. And, but can uh, I, let me, let me add this point that I really think is really, really important. And, uh, that is that, uh, uh, no matter what we, we know or have theories about who wrote this and who wrote that in the Bible, it's all written by God, uh, in the end. God was responsible. Every word, every tiny little, every tiny little jot and tittle. God was responsible for every word of the Bible, so it really doesn't matter who wrote what. All we need, but we do really need to understand and believe that God wrote it through them. Yeah, well, Jesus is the Word, so Jesus is the Word, and it, it doesn't go void. So I, this, it's just good to know history, just to tell like intellects like me, and it, it really, it really helped. Dr. Ken Coven and his style of uh, creation science evangelism in the you know really got. M- got me like he centered me he made me actually really he's like look it up stupid you know (laughs) 
know, I mean, that's another thing. People, you know, we all have the power these days. We got the Internet. We got Blue Letter Bible. Look it up, you know. Look it up. Yeah. And, you know, just make sure that you got I always say the credible people that I I say, the Puritans. I mean, if you look at the Puritans, right, and they had nothing – you could, you know, their opinions are not, they're not really in there because, like, you know, they would, because they wrote an agreement. And remember, they were a group of guys that would get together and challenge each other. So it was pretty good. So the snow arrow would come in. And you go back, you guarantee that, that that's why we, the Jews was the same way. They made sure that they had the correct doctrine. And, uh, of course, when you investigate it, you will find these things out. But you got to, you got to look. I mean, you're a Christian and you don't want to seek the Lord and, and especially and want to crave his wisdom there's something wrong with you you know you're not you know just oh well, you're turning into you know you're outside the gate I mean man you're sitting in the palm of Christ and you're his footstool you're sitting like, like Mary sat at his feet there's another example of what I was talking about earlier Mary sat at his feet while Mark, remember the story, the parable, you know, not the, the happening when Martha was fixing up the, you know, doing all the stuff and she, you know, flipped out like, well, you know, Mary's not helping me. And, and he just like, you know, Jesus said, well, hey, look, she's, you know, in the perfect place, sitting at his feet, gathering right. and absorbing that, all that he was teaching. You know, right? It, man, I wish. I mean, that's where we know, need to be. That's where we need to be. Discipled by Christ. Can you even imagine that? That's what we have as word. We're being discipled by Christ, and then we're discussing it among ourselves, like me and Johnny are doing right now. And we're really trying to take a look at the text. Like, there's even more to this text. On uh, you, you know, there's ton. I mean, there's a lot of it to just this little verse that Johnny picked, and. uh, uh the good thing about it is for you, I'll read that one last because that, and he says, uh, in Second Kings 4.39, continuing for Mark 16.18, it says, here's scripture uh, context, and one went out in the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine. Now, this is Old Testament now, guys. And uh, gathered there of wild gourds his lap full and came and shred them into the pot of pottage, for they knew them not. So they poured out for the men to eat. And it came to pass, as they were eating the pottage, that they cried out and said, O thou, man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat thereof. But he said, Then bring meal and cast it into the pot. And he said, Pour out for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. But these are these examples of what Jesus is referring to when he says this. This is the Lord saying all Another these example of, um, in that case, they're eating something something dangerous and yeah, so, turned into something safe. Yeah, and then it goes, then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I have give I to thee. This is when they, they shall slay, you know, they shall slay, uh, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Okay, this is now the other part of it. Silver and gold I have none, but as I uh, have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ and now this rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ink of bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. You gotta imagine that, you know? Yeah. Now, these, this is another point that somebody told me that was, I think, might be really valid, is that, and these are the signs that shall follow them that believe. And then he says about, 
then he talks about how they will, you know, take up serpents and drink bad things, take up serpents, drink bad things, and not be harmed, and and, uh, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And somebody was telling me that these are just some of the signs. It was an example uh, so that, uh, as to say, some people would be able to drink poison and not get hurt. Some people would lay hands on, some believers would lay hands on the sick, you know, but not all of them. It would just be, these would be general signs you would see among believers. And, and it doesn't mean this. that every single Christian will be able to lay hands on the sick. So never did it. These just things are just uh, common occurrences, uh, you know, and... Uh, and then some, like me, you know, my past did it purposely as, you know, as those that just do it in a church service, you know, just, you know, what, just get into the Word. That's what they, we're there for is the Word, man. We're getting there to be taught to fellowship and to worship and, and uh, to be instructed in righteousness. And, uh, but, you know, we're gonna, at the second part of the verse, they shall lay hands. Here's the other, it's even more. And when Peter saw it, he answered the people, Ye men of Israel, why ye marvel at this, and why ye look so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk. So you, you get starting to see a clear, uh, a clear picture. And his, name in, and his name through faith in his name have made this man strong, whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And then Acts 4, 10, be it known to you all, all and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doeth this man stand here before you whole. So you can see what the purpose was, yeah, the exact purpose of this whole verse of what is to occur when Jesus said, they shall take up serpents, and they shall, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So, you know, and you could say, you know, some of these things are going on now for certain people, you know, that, you know, and some are not. You know, some are still uh, stricken with, you know, a disease, uh, an incurable disease, and on, you know, medications and uh, stuff like that. You know, hopefully medications that don't make them, you know, that keep them centered. But, you know, just to, to battle that disease or something like that, and uh, hopefully it's helping them. Uh, I mean, God's not healing them right off the bat, but still, it's... It's a temporary trial, you know, because, of course, it's also good that it's used. It's because of this fact that it's making you, uh, uh, you know, making you decrease and you're, and you're drawing more closer to him as in that condition. Which yeah, is, because, you know, when Paul had, the, when Paul had the, uh, the problem in his flesh, he had some kind of a thorn in his flesh, something that was really bothering him. And, and you know, God told Jesus that my grace is sufficient for you, so... Um, that's something that, you know, sometimes, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you just have to deal with it for a while. He asked the Lord three times for him to take it, and mm-hmm. look, my grace is sufficient for you. And then some, no. and like Chief Vernon McGee used to say, God always answers our prayers. It's just that sometimes it's uh, yes, and sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's wait. Exactly. Where we get the name wait quickly. That's wait quickly. His whole... Uh, that's a great, his username is that, uh, is that he doesn't like to wait. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great example, young man. <laughs> Gee, uh, thank God you, Professor Bible. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a wonderful man, wonderful man. Oh, yeah, we love Wade. Yeah.
We got White Tiger actually calling in here. She's here. Hello. There she Hello? is. Hey, how are you guys doing? All right. That's good. Um. What
So his grace is sufficient for you, in other words, like like Paul. I mean, it's a good example. That's a good example, Miss Suzanne. Yeah, it's perfect, because uh, <clears throat> a lot of people want to do the name and claim it thing and uh, thinking that, well, you know, getting hell, there might be some, you know, and people are arrogant enough to say that, you know, well, if you're just about sin, you haven't, that hasn't been released. And I kind of just, uh, I just, I really just go, wow, that's just, so wrong. It's, you know, <clears throat> you, there's people, tons of people in the Bible that weren't healed either, you know, and Paul is one example, you know, and uh, even though there's some were, you know, uh, healed, you know, we're definitely going to know is we're headed to the grave no matter what. If you get healed for that temporary time, we're still is appointed for all men wants to die. So, you know, whether you get there quicker or, you know, which People, you know, like the martyrs look forward to, you know, and because, uh, you know, live as Christ to die as gain, Paul said. Mm-hmm. So, um, the you know, each and every one of us, a Christian, you definitely guarantee trials and tribulation. It's not, if it's smooth sailing for you, maybe, you know, and if that's the Lord will, then wonderful. You know, and if you're a rich Christian that, you know, you can get all the medical doctors, you know, Wonderful. But, you know, we are guaranteed trials and tribulations, and they come in any form. Some, they will come in sickness. Some, they will come in just, you know, trials of persecution. Like, you know, you see uh, 250 million Christians right now in the process are being persecuted, killed or martyred or, uh, like, they're just depraved of living in certain parts of, you know, the world. So... Uh, these are the things that, are, you know, Jesus said, you must, tri- you know, in Acts, you must trials and tribula- tribulation, we must enter the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but there's another side to this coin, and the, the other yeah. side of the coin is, is that God will heal miraculously. And there's yeah. many, many accounts, even, especially in these modern times, of God performing incredible healing miracles on people. And so you can't discount that. I mean, no, that's can't either. happen. You can count on Jesus to heal you if he wants to. He can really part, heal yeah. you miraculously. There's been accounts of, of missing legs returning, missing arms and missing legs returning. And I believe that. I believe Jesus has the power to do that. Of course I really he do. He's a sovereign God. Uh, okay. he can, you know, sovereign God. I mean, it's, I'm looking at it right here. Some, so that from the, Acts 19.12 says... So that from his body we brought unto the sick handkerchiefs and aprons and diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. You know, so, you know, and to this day, you know, God doesn't change, you know. Uh, there's always still people, you know, to another faith, the same spirit, to another gift of healing. And that's not being a healer. That means gifts of healing. You've, you know, maybe you can lay hands on somebody somebody gets healed, but it's Christ. But this is referring to to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. So you know, to another faith. If you go back to First uh, Corinthians twelve, chapter twelve, verse nine, that's what I'm reading. Um, in context, it was talking about basically what these gifts are, and it, it you know explicitly says the gift of healing, and that some will be healed of their ailment. You know, and right, and of course and, uh, some will not be, but. You should seek out, if you're in a position where you need to be healed, um, it's not wrong to seek out a Christian that you know can heal you, that has that gift. It's not wrong to go seek them out. Well, it's all of us have that gift. 
Yeah, not all of us have the gift of laying oh, hands on the sick and healing. Yeah. Sure we do. Sure we do. You think, oh, you believe that? Okay. It's in Scripture. And the prayer of faith shall save you, the sick. You just, you, just got through, you just got through reading that verse where some get the gift of healing, some get, get the gift of hospitality, some get no, the gift of... No, that was... I, I said people, um, take it out of, people take it out of context. The gift of healing is being healed. It is not uh, you have some particular gift that it's, you know, God doesn't play that. He doesn't, he, he gives, all the gifts are used. God can, Holy Spirit can use the, any of the gifts through us. Any of them. And, you know, some may do this over here. Some may have this. But no, but we all have the same spirit. And if the spirit wants you, Johnny, you know, to go pray for somebody, and he tells you, uh, go pray for Suzanne, lay hands on here and note her with oil, you will do it. And if she gets healed, does it mean that you're a healer? That means that God, the Spirit works just works through you, you know. And Amen. So, okay, that's, I'll agree with that. I'll agree yeah. with that. But there are but, some Christians that are given a special gift of laying hands on people, and they just do it time after time after time. They do it every day. They heal. The Spirit gets healed every but day. And every saint has all them. those abilities. The only ability is is, is like the, the natural gifts. Like some can't play music. You know, but the spirit gifts is not like the physical. It's definitely, you You know, like it says, these gifts, he explains them all out. So there's nobody, you know, like I said, there's the physical. You've got to separate between the physical and the spiritual. Like some be able to, some will be teachers, right? And then some will be preachers, you know. Some will evangelize. Some will lay hands on the sick. But I know we all, you know, Paul did these, all these things. And, you know, he did all these things. So, and all the apostles have this ability. Everywhere they went, and you or I, all these gifts, if if the Holy Spirit wants to use a, any particular gift, even if you, you know, spoke in a different tongue, in somebody's different language and while you're speaking English, that's another, you know, that's speaking in tongues, you know, the way I looked at it. Because, you know, James is like, is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let... And let them pray over them, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer, okay, here, James 5.15. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he committed sin, they shall be forgiven. So, man, we, you know, always just remember, when it comes to that, healing is also a gift, too. You know? Um, yeah. The, the knowledge to be able to interpret, you know, not to interpret, but to understand the scriptures... Like, that's why the world can understand it. That's a gift, too. That's a gift of knowledge. That's learning, you know, the word of knowledge. Or when uh, you have a word of knowledge, right, and if God gives it to you, the, before you even have a word of knowledge, make sure you chase it with Scripture that you're in the right, you know, right standing. Because, that's, right, because there's all kinds of spirits that will try to minister to you. You yeah. have to test the spirits to make sure they're from God. And how you test that is against his word. Yeah, you know, and you got to remember because it's not it, God doesn't. It, it, the Spirit works in the body, and it's the whole body, not one individual. I'm going to go to this person. Get, uh, you know, well, I want to go see this pastor over here because he has the gift of healing. It's like no, you call somebody up. Can you pray for me? And, and they get healed. And we, the saints, do it in unity of the same mind. So it's like, it, it, like I said, like Johnny, if you knows that somebody's sick, you definitely can't pray for you. You know, and. Uh, you know, if the power, and if God chooses to heal that person through you or not, maybe, you know, God will hear that prayer. Then all of a sudden, 
he'll act over, he'll, he'll want to act over here with another person. See you know what I mean? And with that same person who wants to be healed. You know what I mean? Like if say you prayed for her here, and let's say she went somewhere else and got, you know, prayed also, she got healed over there. It doesn't mean that that, that prayer, that prayer was answered and that prayer was answered. Simultaneously in, in, in church in heaven, while maybe in a different time on earth. Do you, do you understand that? I think it's also important uh, to to uh, seek out others, that, other Christians that can pray with you for a certain person to be healed because, you know, the Bible does say that oh, yeah. where two or more are gathered in my name and ask, it shall be done. So oh, get yeah. together with four or five other believers and ask together, you know, when you got some serious thing that really needs to be addressed. You know, get with get with three or four or more other people and uh, and ask it. I think that's really important too. Oh yeah, it's really the, the, there is there is there is a combined prayer uh, 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 scenario that is is supported by the Bible. Yeah, definitely. And you know, Pat Robinson and Seven Hundred Club they do it all the time. They pray. I you know, like I said, I'm not going to judge that program because you know they do have. Te- I don't. I wouldn't know why. Unless, you know, I don't think there's any hidden motive why he would, you know, pray for people and people would write in and say, hey, look, I got healed. You know, I, I, you know, I saw, I thought, well, well, that's pretty cool. You know, if they got healed and, like, look, it really happened, uh, hopefully not, you know, they're saying that they're deceiving people, but they're not. But some people have a hard time with that. But um, I just pray that that people are really getting healed through the 700 Club. I hope it, I hope it is to be true. You know what I mean? And, uh, me and you, me and you are believers. So how about right now we just say a real quick prayer for our uh, blessed sister Suzanne. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's, let have, let's have you lead the prayer, Rick. Yeah, okay, Father, we just ask in Jesus' name right now uh, for Suzanne, and uh, she has, you know what she's going through, Lord, and you have your reasons, Lord, and of course the best reasons, and we have no understanding of it why, why she's going through these ailments. But, Lord, we ask that you can uh, bring that healing on her and restore her to complete health, if that is your will, Lord, if you are willing. And, uh, and Lord, we just ask that, uh, that she, she does become healed and that the pain and all the things that she goes through, you know, on a daily basis, the medication and all the stuff that it is, you know, you know, that she goes through, Lord, that you just always never let her lose her joy as well. Even if she in pain, Lord, better have that joy restored in full, Lord. And uh, uh, just you know, as long as that you know, some of these are uh, you know, she has explained are you know, uh, life threatening. And uh, Lord, uh, you know what your will is on this. So Lord, if you you know your golden bowls uh, you know turn you away and the sweet smelling aroma of the prayers of the saints go up, uh, I pray that that this one does you know is a sweet smelling. Uh, sweet smell in your nostrils, Lord, that you answer very quickly. And uh, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so, so um, yeah, so now we know, uh, you know, that all these things are possible, you know, that healing is possible and stuff like that. But to keep in context, that we are still... Uh, Saints, right, and uh, for God to do what He pleases with us as well. You know, we are His tools, and on top of that, this life is. You know, we should hate this life. You know, and cling on to the hope for the next. You know, because to live in Christ is die. You know, to die is gain. That we must 
decrease, and he must increase in us. So, in order to... I know, I, I, hate the, I hate this life because it's just a constant battle. Don't you agree, Suzanne? Uh, yes, definitely. I, I really hate this life. Uh, in fact, I, um, I just, I had to reach a point in my life back in 2003 where I just, uh, completely had given up and, and I just, I just told God, I just said, please, God, just, um, if, if you let me live and survive, I'll, you know, use me as you see fit. I, I, I'm not here for me at all. I used to think that um, God put me here so I could do things um, and, you know, for myself and for others, but um, I wasn't really focused on um, Him using me uh, uh, at 100%. And God was teaching me that I wasn't put here on this earth for self gratification. I was put here to serve him. Amen. He really, I mean, he dealt with me very harshly. Um, I would, uh, back in 2003, before I had my surgery, I would wake up in the middle of the night screaming in pain. I just, I wanted to kill myself. There were times when I would get my medications and dump them out on the counter and I would just want to put them all in my mouth and just end it. The only thing that stopped me was my kids. The thought that I, you know, I have my kids. I cannot do that to them. And, you know, and I, I, I decided Motherly it was better for me to over. suffer. It, it was just better for me to suffer. Um, but I guarantee you, um, when I obeyed God and I got the surgery that I needed, that pain went away. Went away for a whole six months. And then it started coming back. But this is one of the things that I've I've been learning since then is that God does not want me to be under any stress or worry. He doesn't want me to worry. Amen. And uh, and I, I've come a long ways. I I was on um, medication for anxiety for two years, and in June I got off of it. I haven't had any anxiety attacks or anything like that. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had the same kind of anxiety I had two years ago, I guarantee you I would not have been able to even call into the show tonight. Oh, yeah, you'd be scared to death of Rick. Of Rick. <laughs> Rick, Rick would have you. He'd scare me, though. <laughs> <laughs> He's bigger than me, for one thing. See me, we haven't met in person, so I really don't know. <laughs> but some people say that I'm intimidating, so. Yeah. But I used to be. So, I'm joking around. I'm joking around with you. We're kind of wacky on this show, as you know. You know, uh, Suzanne's been a loyal listener. She knows we get pretty wacky. All that we see that thus far that, so this is what it is, and we have the examples in Scripture. Exactly what this, how this verse applies. Mark 16, verse 18, they shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So, your cross-references are, you know, I feel like I I always instruct everybody, yeah, uh, blueletterbible.org. 
and you go there, www.blueletterbible.org, you got a window, you can, if you're on the King James Version part, they have a little letters up here, which is a little uh, button, which says KCL of Music One, and or it will be an I, and uh, you also have for, you have all your things here for a lexicon, fact search, word or verses. If you just, like, if you really don't know your scripture and you want to find, I wonder what the word Savior is, and you type in a little window there, Savior, and always it will give you the cross-references or, or what's in the scripture, and then something that applies what you're looking for, and you can, it'll have you expand on that. Like, I use this for teaching all the time instead of the Bible software because, actually, this is, this is well, I mean, I do a lot of study on this, but now that you got it, you understand what all this means. I was talking earlier with Johnny about Luther and how he thought, uh, Martin Luther, everybody wants to know how he got uh, converted to actual, became uh, uh, saved actually literally out of even being in a uh, Roman Catholic uh, uh, Augustine order and uh, Augustinian order and how he came and all these things that, you know, that they went through and did basically the same things they, they, uh, during these times, during the Dark Ages, and uh, he used to chastise himself and, uh, you know... What do you mean by the, the same things? What do you mean by that they all did basically the same things? What does that they, mean? They, they, like I said, they took things literally like they took up serpents because they thought they were, you know, uh, priests did this. And, uh, oh, so you're saying they're like the snake by Pentecostals in the Deep South. They did that. There was, there was they sect, did that. There were sects and orders that did that throughout each generation. Uh, until then, like, if you remember the, was it the, the Donatists, if I got, pronounced it right, is those that would literally uh, put themselves in harm's way just to, you know, they were a Christian sect. It was it was a cult that would, you know, purposely get themselves martyred and stuff. Isn't that, that, isn't that, like, isn't that like the devil telling Jesus to turn these stones into bread so he'd have something to eat? Or to jump, off, said, oh, yeah. jump off the cliff and have the angels save him? And yeah. Jesus said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You know, you don't put yeah. him to the test. That's not your job. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, and they used to chastise themselves, and they used to, you know, this is the opposite of what this is right here, and, you know, a matter of respect. It was, they did the other things. There's people still doing it to this day uh, because they're Christians and, uh, you know, earning the favor, you know, and, uh, not really good teaching because of the fact that uh, look here's the scripture if you want to actually find out what a, a weird strange verse means if you're looking for a certain prophecy or anything just cross reference it it's, that is the simplest find, form to find the context of what you're looking for and that's it I just ever since I started doing that uh, you know I, I got away from the rhetoric of a, a lot of things you know uh, that have been taught, like, definitely the seeker-sensitive movement, or what, you know, not to really... Explain rhetoric. Explain rhetoric. What do you mean? rhetoric. Explain rhetoric? Yeah. Let's see. What does that mean in this context of what you're talking about? How you got away from rhetoric? Rhetoric, you know, just... uh, How can I use this word? Um, Let me see. Let's see if I can spell it right. Red, or let me let me give you the definition of it. 
because you go deep, and a lot of these, a lot of the simple people like me don't really yeah. understand what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do that sometimes. But you gotta come up. You gotta come up to my level and look it up, actually, guys. <laughs> I'm gonna drag you down to my level. I think that's more appropriate. Breaking uh, into the common man's level, the common listener. No, the, the, but the Bible says for us saints to come up higher. So, Amen. Rhetoric is one of the arts of using language as a means, uh, means to persuade. Along with grammar and our logic or dialect, rhetoric is one of the, of the three ancient arts of discourse. From ancient Greece, and, well, if you want to hear the whole story, I can go. From ancient Greece to the late 19th century, it was a central part of Western education. Feeling a need to train the public speakers and writers to move audiences to auction uh, to action with argument. <laughs> so the very act of defining has itself been a central central part of rhetoric, appearing among Aristotle's topics. The word is direct, okay, and then the word is Greek and uh, okay, and that just flew right over my head. How about you, Suzanne? Uh, yeah, but I got something. I got something I need to. Um, share with you guys. Uh, so, you know, hearing Rick talk about a snake bite and it's uh, not affecting people who can heal. Other people seem like they can. They don't ever get sick. Um, it just kind of reminds me of um, the swine flu shot. Um, oh, the swine flu shot. Hey, Rick, are you going to get your pig flu shot? I'll let you go again, Suzanne. I just want to. I just want to hear what Rick is. Rick telling you to take flu shot. No. Okay. Okay. I don't. I don't see it really necessary to. I mean, I don't. I, you know, if there's a big, huge pandemic, and and that's the way I'm going to die. Uh, you know, if I do get sick, you know, I will. You know, I will go see a doctor. You know, that I trust. And you know, if I need the shot and I got really sick, then maybe you know that will work to get better. But I'm just not going to take a mandatory uh, shot of a dead virus. And, you know, because, you know, I don't take the flu shot, you know. Uh, I haven't taken the flu shot uh, or a tetanus shot, you know, in a long time. You know, I, I had a tetanus shot once, but I just, you know, I actually, uh, praise God, I have a healthier body than most except for stomach problems, but that's just, you know, and teeth problems now, but uh, not in that, no. Well, let me ask you guys a question. Now, isn't taking something like the swine flea shot is the same as letting a poisonous snake bite you? I mean, yeah, maybe. About that. I, because uh, you're taking in uh, a disease. You're actually taking yeah. in something that's harmful to your body. Well, it's it's kind of like if you get bit by a snake, you need the anti-venom. And it's the venom in itself, you know. It's the, it's the it's the venom, but they they take the snake bite venom for the antidote to counteract the venom. So it does make sense when you're sick, but if you're not sick, I, I think yeah. Why would you need a shot? It's just like if like for drug addicts, why you know you know it is sick to take drugs when you're well. You know, so you're saying if it works, don't, don't fix it. Usually, yeah. I mean, I don't. If you if you caught the disease, if you caught the flu, you're gonna you're gonna take the necessary uh, things to help you make better. Like you know, I I believe in the herbal uh, medicines, uh, 
think some people call it holistic, but I don't like that because I just say, you know, I don't look at the concept. I just say I, I'll do what's natural. I call uh, it herbal medicine myself. Yeah, herbal medicine. There's nothing wrong with that. I like Chinese medicine. You know, I don't believe in the Taoism of it or their Buddhist idea of no. it. But I actually know that, you know, looking up the herbs itself and, and researching it, it, it works because, you know, I, I eat a lot of the Bible says the herbs are for the healing of the nations. Then there we go. And, uh, you know, I, I take garlic. You know, when, I know when there's a flu going around, I'll just pop, you know, a clove a day of raw garlic. Now, I don't take a pill for them, and I don't mind stinking like it either, because after a while, if you take it for, like, you know, a couple of months, the stink goes away, you know? Hey, wait a minute, wait so. a minute, wait a minute. You, let me get this straight. You will actually take a chew up of one whole clove of garlic? Yeah. Clove or just one of the cloves? One of the... Just, no, no, just the, no, the cloves. The one of the little, the little cloves, not the whole thing. You'll bite that bad boy and just chew that up and swallow it? Yeah, and I'll chase it with water. You're a real man. You're a real man. I want to be like you when I grow up. Hey, I'm Italian. I'm used to it. Garlic is very, garlic is very, very good for you. And, uh... But, you know, you know Suzanne... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Suzanne was just bringing up that. She made a valid point, and I brought up that point on the on the on the board on the World of Prophecy board. I brought that point up, and uh, the point I brought up was I'm not afraid of getting the pink flu shot because I believe in Jesus, and I believe that if I take any bad thing into my body, Jesus will protect me. I mean, maybe the swine flu is too dangerous, and you know, more the disease, the cure is worse than the disease in this case. You know, it's a common saying. Well, there was a case. Okay, but we're supposed to treat our bodies like a temple. We're not supposed to be putting things into our bodies that are harmful. There's one thing that Suzanne hit on a note that uh, the great uh, Jonathan Edwards, not modern day, not the the psychic dude or or the guy who ran for president, from the 1700s, he was one of the greatest uh, preachers of the Great Awakening. In fact, he was one of the ones that sparked the Great Awakening in America while the Great Awakening was going on. This guy is just wrote, he wrote a, uh, a great sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. I recommend it to everyone. I, if you don't read that, I, you know, it, just read it. It's awesome, but very convicting too, but it's awesome. Anyway, he died of, uh, he, of an experimental a drug of a smallpox vaccine. And if he didn't take the smallpox vaccine, he, he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't have died. And that's oh. kind of how I kind of look like the flu. I don't, you know, I've had the flu, I've had the Asian flu, uh, but I just Me like, this. why do I want to, like I said, I just kind of said, why do I want to take something, you know, when I'm well already, when I, I don't have no use of it? Maybe if I had the flu and I was laid up in bed and I needed a shot, then I can understand when it is necessary, you know. Yeah, but then but, it's too late. There is no anti-venom for the flu. you got to take the preventative shot. Yeah. In order for what, you have to take the shot when you're healthy it won't, or it won't do any good. Well, some people take the shot and still get sick. So That's true. And That's I was true. About, well, they, don't only, yeah. they only design those flus for the 50 most popular viruses they see coming our way, you know. And, and uh, if you and, one of the other ones, it's not going to help you. Yeah, and you know, it's a, you know, I, I, I'm like, like I said, out of it, I don't make really a conspiracy out of it, you know, even though it is kind of odd that, you know, they're, they're isolating all these, you know, biological warfare crap for, you know, they say it's just to, you know, 
I understand some of it. My father, who was a research chemist, he just said they they have some of those, so they can counteract stuff, you know. And but uh, yeah, there know. are antivirals. There are yeah. antivirals. But they they're hit and miss, you know. But then there then there are those sickos that want to reduce, you know, put that stuff in a population. So like the anthrax or the guy who, who bombed, you know, uh, the, in Japan, that guy who thought he, the blind guy who thought he was a god, <laughs> you know. And, well, I, think uh, our, I think our CIA and our and our NSA has just worked complete overtime to keep that from happening. I'm I'm so surprised we haven't had a biological warfare attack in this country. They must yeah. be working their tails off to prevent it from happening. A lot yeah. of people get, should get a lot of credit. There's a lot of people, you know, in the government, you know, working night and day to keep that from happening to us, heading them yeah. off at the pass and all that. Yeah, and it's also God's hand, I believe, too, so. Oh, amen. Then all of it. And, you know, it, like I said, there's also nothing new under the sun at all. So I, I'm very confident in that. that. Oh, it's nothing new under the sun. Oh, you know what they're doing over here? Yeah. They're turning, uh, they're doing this over here. You know, oh, yeah, there's nothing new under the sun. It's what has been done has been done before. So, just, you know, because we just, you know, in that death cycle, the world just continues to follow the same death cycle. They're dogs that return to their vomit constantly, you know. So, but yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with Suzanne. I don't like I don't like taking flu shots, or I don't I don't like them. I I I don't have no use for them. I don't. I, I pray that I don't get sick. You know, of course, it's gonna there's gonna be a day when it happens, but. Uh, Wouldn't you know, but, but, you know I, taking the opposite of you, Johnny always gets his flu shots. Johnny's going to get his big flu shot. And taking the opposite of you, wouldn't um, Jesus work through a doctor and an anti-venom and, sure. a, and a flu shot to keep you from getting sick? Sure. And sure. I just, that I just way think, too? personally, I, I don't want it. But, uh, I, yeah, God is sovereign. You know, he does. If you feel that you need to take a flu shot, then take a flu shot. I have yeah. something to say. I have something to say about that. You know, if you're healthy already, uh, you know, God is keeping you healthy for a reason. Um, taking the flu shot could, you know, it might kill you. It could make you deadly sick, you know. Um, I just, it has happened, you know. Uh-huh, sure. Exactly. So you're better off just trusting God to continue taking care of you. I mean, if you if you don't have the flu, if you don't have the swine flu, don't go and get the shot. A lot of times, though, you know, God God provides the doctor with his education and blesses this doctor with knowledge of diagnostics and everything. And Jesus expects you to go see this guy in order to get healed that way. I mean, you know, just work like that, too. That's different, though. It's if you're sick. If you're sick, then, yes, you need to go to the doctors. But if you're not sick and you're healthy, then you don't need to go. Why go and do something to yourself that might cause harm to you? I don't think it's like um, taking a surf, like test. I don't think, though, that it's like testing the Lord your God. I don't think it's like that because you're going in, getting your flu shot. You know, I'm trying to head off, a, trying to head off a, a sickness, and I don't think you're tempting God doing that. I think you have good intentions. I mean, wh- what do you think about that? Oh, you know, look with the doctor. In the Bible, so you know, doctors, if if they have a good intentions, plus you know, I believe always go to a Christian doctor because you know the one that's really in the faith, then you know, um, yeah, God does work with doctors definitely. Um, 
And, you know, I know that, you know, since God's common grace is still, you know, there where, you know, for doctors, like, uh, when you're sick or something, like, oh, if you need to go get a checkup, yeah, God made doctors. He made that trade. You know, he designed it all. He made king, the office of the king. Uh, it's, you know, it's all about God. But, you know, because that's, that's what life is all about anyway. It's all about Christ. So, you know, but, yeah, I can understand that, you know, like you like I said, if you're sick, you know, definitely you need something to counteract. You need to take, you know, medication to counteract what that is, as long as it's the right kind of medication, you know. It's not a, you know, what some doctors are doing, because there's some bad doctors out there, too, so that will pres- right. that prescribe stuff that you don't need. You know, Joseph Mengele. Joseph Mengele. He was a bad doctor. Yeah, and uh, Dr. Kevorkian was. A Nazi doctor. Yeah. Yeah, those doctors were. There's doctors in Russia that were cruel. There's doctors right now in China that are forcing the women to, you know, to get the tubes tied or, or to abort uh, the children against their will. And uh, they give out, you know, they've got doctors that made the RU, was it RU-48 or whatever they call it? Uh, RU-482. Yeah. RU-46, yeah. I'm sorry. There's those that, that, that put LSD on the market you know, and uh, Dr. Timothy Leary by by the chance, and you know, but it's the Kool Aid acid test. Yeah. So, um, and on top of that, that you know, I, I do agree that it's I, I, me for the flu, I just don't want the industry. Like I said, I I use every time I took a flu shot, I got sick, and I said never again. Well, I always do the next day. I always get sick for half a day, one day. No, and that's why I won't put it in my body. But I've always found out that if I take the shot, I will not get the flu um, that winter. When everybody yeah. else is sick, I'm able to perform, you know. I'm I able to bring the money home to the family. Yeah, I don't. I don't usually. Get, I don't get sick, so it's just. I guess it's, I, it might. It just. Like I said, it's a personal choice. Um. It has to be, you know. Some, you know, some want to take it, let them take it. You know, if that's the risk they're going to take, then, you know. And, and like I said, for me personally, I just, I, I don't need it, you know. And I don't think you're a heathen if you take the shot, though. No, that is. No, you're not a heathen. No. Some people just like I said, if it works, it works for you, you know. And I mean, God made doctors. He made the office of the doctor, and of course, he even put one in the Bible. And that, Luke was a doctor; he was a Greek doctor. He took the Hippocratic oath. So, <laughs> oh, the Hippocratic oath! We don't want to even go there. Oh, have you ever heard the history of Hippocrates? Oh man, yeah, that's a mess. Yeah, yeah but, but you know, he was—he was a Greek doctor. He doesn't apply so. to Luke. Yeah, and he did doctor. The Hippocratic too. oath is basically heal others and do no harm. I mean, that, there's nothing wrong with. Taking that oath. No, that's what I mean. Like some people taking unnecessary Vicodins and unnecessary, you know, things like that. You know, doctors that are not responsible with doing with this thing. I, like I said, some medications are unnecessary. Like I say, for certain people that if you have, like you know, that have mental disorders or something like that, with stuff, and you taking a, a, a pill. That is because your brain is not producing enough of that chemical. Then by all means, better take it. You know, but yeah, I had my my wife forced me to give my daughter the drug talk when she was thirteen. I was the one, 
And I said, why me? You know, she goes, well, you know more about that stuff than uh, I do. And I was like, yeah, amen. Amen to that. And I told her, you know, as far as drugs go, Marion, I said, you know, uh, all drugs, even the illegal ones, were originally and still are in some applications uh, actual medical drugs that you need in certain cases. I said, so there's nothing wrong with drugs as long as the doctor tells you that you need them. But taking them on your own? That's a different story. That's where you run into problems, you know. Not under a doctor's care, you know. Taking Vicodin for a, because uh, your toe hurts a little bit, because you got an ingrown toenail. I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's really bad. I but, uh, you know, that's, that's the dividing line, when, you know, between drugs and drug, drug use and drug abuse. And the doctor tells you you need it and to go ahead and take it and how much to take and when to take it. That's a whole different story from you just going out and scoring it on the street. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, they got that, people are, I don't know how you feel about this, but you got that medical marijuana. I kind of laugh about that. I just, I I said, dude, you want to legalize it? West Coast, man, me and you, California, Oregon. Yeah. Washington, the whole West Coast is medical marijuana. Yeah, just the West is the best. You get here, we'll smoke the rest. <laughs> I see it, and I, I look at them. I said, "So you want to smoke pot? Well, that is more cancerous than then they won't. They, oh no, it's not. It's, it's more cancerous to smoke that THC, that rat poison, right? When they already have it legalized and it's called Marinol, they just have to take the poison out of it, and the rest it doesn't of it work. You, though. Hey, no, they, it doesn't yeah, work. They, they say it doesn't work. Everybody who's ever used it, they say it doesn't work. It works. That's why my aunt was on it, and she had the worst bone cancer you could ever have. And they put her on Marinol, and you know what? It made her perfect. It's just those people that says it doesn't work because they want to smoke it. They want to be oh, high. Okay. Marinol okay. doesn't get you high. All okay, right? so, okay, I have a question. Hey, Johnny, um, if... If medical marijuana is legal, does that mean that you should go and and get it to keep from getting cancer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be nice. That'd be a good excuse, wouldn't it? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> good cancer. <laughs> no, I mean, what, what is in Oregon now? It's different in Washington, California, but in Oregon. You have to be uh, you have to be dying in order to get a license to grow pot. You have to be like dying, and it's just for pain. It's just it's for pain. You have to be really really sick to where it doesn't matter if it's cancerous or not because you're already dying, and it's just for pain. There's okay. certain applications for medical marijuana where really nothing else works but for the pain except for smoking it. And I believe in that, you know. I mean, if you're already dying already, Jesus said give strong drinks to those about to die. And what he was really talking about was gall. He was talking about, more, uh, you know, morphine. Uh, um, in my studies, that's what I've come up with. The strong drink wasn't Jack Daniels. It was gall, <laughs> which was, uh, which was uh, opium mixed with wine and some other stuff. And uh, I think if you're already dying and you're in a lot of pain, I think that's fine. But, um, uh, you know, in Washington, all you got to be is just a little bit depressed and you can get a license to grow. You know, I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah, you know, because it's that, that the marijuana, it, it creates, it, it takes out certain chemicals in your brain and it causes major depression. 
It also causes yeah. a lot. It, 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 no, it does. And it, it actually, a lot of people don't know how really dangerous it is for your brain by taking that stuff and what it really does. And you got people out there that they're not allowing this information to go out, and you got to find it. You got my dad was like I said, he's a research chemist. He knows this stuff. You know, he's like, "Well, you're stupid." You know, with me when I was when I experimented with it years back, I wasn't really liked it because it, you know it made you paranoid. And it's like, good, you know. That was always fun, wasn't it? Oh, couldn't stand it. Oh man, it's every knock the, the door, you're like, oh, it's, just, it's a devil. No, not, not like that. It just made it's me a just... hitman. They're gonna get me. It's a hitman. I know it. I was. I'm gonna die, man. I'm gonna die. <laughs> uh, you know. And so, here, give me a drink, please. I need more beer. And I drink more, so I get. I try to get rid of that high. It just and. I don't know, it's just, you know, like I said, it's sorcery, by the way, anyway. And some people say that medicine is sorcery, but there's a difference between the two, you know. Uh, right, like you know, well, really, wouldn't I that be considered sorcery, though, if you take it when you don't need it, you know, the medication? No, no sorcery is really well defined in the Bible. It's the use of medication to contact spirits. You know, it's not just the use of medication. It's the use of medication to contact the spirit world. That's sorcery. Some people well, will take medication and look at flowers. That's not sorcery. The other people will take medication to get in touch with their spirit guide. That is sorcery. Well, now, there's also, it's all sorcery when you take it. I mean, it is. All of it. I don't believe that. That's what it said, pharmakia. And it's not I know, but pharmakia is always, if you look at it, if you really study it, it's look always... Look at scripture. Yeah, look at scripture Always now. included. Simon wasn't looking for the dead. He, Simon the sorcerer was not contacting the dead. He was doing that as tricks, and then he fed people drugs. That's well, what he there did. you go. And they weren't looking for the spirit of the dead. They would get that so they could make them feel better, so they can escape, you know, so they can... Like you said, look at the flowers, take mushrooms to have this hallucinated. That is sorcery, definitely, by far. Just taking something, a form of escape, to alter your reality, to um, anything, you know, purposely, is sorcery. It doesn't matter if, because you're either looking at images, you know, or, or you have your imagination, which is can, can be a god, because image is where we get the word imagination. Anything. You know, it, it contact dead spirits. It, sorcery is all of that. I mean, you look at Wicca. They don't. Some people don't. You know, they do a Wicca and they're atheists. They don't believe in you, you know, but, yeah, but you just put a lid on anybody that can take anything for any ailment. I mean, you just you can't say just taking it is sorcery. You have to no, no. that with the spirit if, world. If, yeah. if you if you have some like like uh, a drug that you need when you're sick. And it's only for the purpose of stick, you know, uh, that's what they're there for. That's what those things are for. Uh, you know, peyote really is, a, is another poison that's not really a medication, you know. Uh, the mushrooms, they're not, they're not really, a, a suicidal is not really a medication. They make poison out of it to kill, to kill rats, to kill vermin, some, you know, they, these things are poisons. Then you got your medication, you know, you got to say, there's, there's different lines of this, of what we use chemicals for. And uh, sorcery is not, is, you know, witchcraft it, of all forms. Some did it was, you know, you look at 
what the priests and, and Elijah did. They what they were doing, cutting themselves. They were on things, you know. Even you know, even a form of medit, you know, Buddhist meditation or that uh, transcendental meditation, and all that stuff. Yeah, that's no, sorcery. But, that's sorcery, but not without taking anything. So that's true. That's true. Yeah, and uh, so you just gotta think uh, all of the above. Uh, Anything that, like I said, and that's why we need the word because this is what will heal our minds. For if we, if you were that type of person, I guarantee it. You start studying that word. For some reason it heals you. You know, it heals your mind. It starts making you. When you start studying it, you know, really getting into God. Also, it did that to me because I was pretty whacked out when I came back. You know, that that's the promise from God that it will heal your mind. That's the you can stand on that. But for the person that, that are taking this, that are sick and they're terminally ill, and you're on those, you're on certain things like the morphine and the opium, opiates that you have to take because you're sick, well, there's nothing, you know, there's, that's full well, that's what it's there for because you are sick. And that's uh, why Jesus said, give strong drink to those about to die. He, yeah. He was Because Jesus is all about mercy, and that's a form of mercy. I mean, oh. He, don't want oh, you to yeah. be in horrible pain when you're dying. I mean, he doesn't want that for you. No, and he even know he and he knows exactly what that was for. They gave him the sour wine too, didn't they? Yeah. Whatever what was in that, it was he was like, oh, okay, that's it. You know, his tongue swelled up. You know, and you know, and he's like, okay, you know, into the hands I commit my spirit. You know, whatever how he did it, but it swelled up his tongue, and that was it. So no, I you, want to give that. I want to give. Well, I want to take a total detour because me and my wife were talking about this. And when you say there's nothing new under the sun, I always, you know, I'm on this. I'm way over in the sci-fi camp. And I always, I've always been a believer that iPods and Chevys weren't even new. And uh, we were talking about the. We were talking about Moses and how um, uh, he was. Uh, he was get his staff. Uh, God told him to throw it down, and uh, it turned into a snake. And devoured the other, and devoured the, uh, and devoured the Egyptian snakes. I mean, I'm not totally going out of context with our conversation because I'm talking about snakes. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I was speculating, uh, we were talking about, uh, our conversation with you where I brought up the, the, the idea that I don't even think iPods and Chevys are new. I think Annie Deluvian must have had it all, you know, or, it's just speculation now. I mean, I'm not saying that's a fact or anything, but it's something that I've kind of believed. But um, uh, now I've always wondered that how did the Egyptians? How in the first? I mean, I believe God could throw down a have Moses throw down a staff and have have it turn into a snake, no problem. How were the Egyptians able to turn their staffs into snakes? Me and Laura, my wife, were speculating. You know, well maybe. Maybe the Egyptian priests, they had nanotechnology, you know. They were able to have, you know, staffs that could turn into snakes. It was through their magic that was, in the Bible it says it was through their magic. But no, uh, magic was all, you always, you always got to remember, the magic's always, usually, it's sleight of hand. Or, you know, it could have been like Augustine would point out that, you know, probably that, uh, you, you know, Demons did some pretty tricky stuff, and you know, real magic. You know, you know real magic. You know, you know there, there's that influence. I mean, you can't deny that they're not, they're demons. And no, uh, no. But like I said, like God's 
God's in control of it all anyway. You know, as Augustine said, God controls it all. So if a demon is going to act, God will allow that to happen. So it's all God anyway. If the magician but should we take it, that literally? But should we take that literally? Should we really believe that the Egyptians threw down their staffs and they literally turned into snakes? And they could have. Because it could have been a trick up their sleeve for the, you know... It could have been, they could have actually did it, you know. You know, like I said, God could have allowed that to happen. Because he doesn't allow things, you know, odd things to happen in, you know, in that world. Like, you know, people being possessed, uh, uh, people hallucinating without taking anything, people seeing UFOs, you know. Uh, you know, you know they can, you know, materialize, and you know, because they're light, you know, they're fire, so... Here's a question, and Wade quickly, Wade quickly wanted me to bring this up with you. He wants, he wanted to talk about the aliens. Now, who are the aliens, Rick? Now, first of all, uh, aliens, or the whole concept of who aliens were, are, were a figment of somebody's imagination. So, but they are demons that disguise themselves, according, you know, because man makes up... This is the thing about man, you know, man, we're creating God's image, that we have the ability to basically, like I said, procreate, but in other sense that we make things with our hands, uh, we make wooden images of gods and worship them, and, and there's a satanic power that's behind it. Uh, same with UFOs. You, you get people into that power of suggestion, and you got these, like, what, in mythology that... For people to actually believe that these gods did exist, they would do magic, and uh, these, like, staffs would turn into snakes, even if it was sleight of hand or illusion. We got illusionists today, right? You know, you got uh, that uh, Chris Angel who does all those weird things. You got that uh, David Blaine who does some weird illusions. I mean, they're really, you know... Really weird. I believe, I believe Chris you know? White has. I, I believe. Uh, I believe Chris has demons working with him, and he does real magic. Those aren't illusions. I think they're real. And it could be. You know, I can't. Like I said, I haven't seen the guy live. So it's Chris White. Why did I say Chris you know, White? He's a he's a po- he's a fellow podcaster. Right? Chris White's gonna kill me if he hears that. That's my last Chris, name is what's White. What's his name? Too, I forget you know his name. Chris. Chris White. What's yeah, but Chris Angel. Chris Angel. Chris Angel. So, I'm sorry, Chris Angel. You know, and Chris they White. say that, you know, angels have appeared, you know, to men, you know, on the other side, how, you know, demons haven't, you know, haven't done it. I think you know, we, we know there's a spiritual world because, either, you know, we don't mess with it. There's spiritual wickedness in high places, you know. So we can't Man. say that, you know, we're just not, it says it's not flesh and blood. There are, you know, things. And, but... The whole thing is we got to remember God allows all these things to happen because if you look in Kings, a lying, you know, a lying spirit, God sent a lying spirit to, or, or a spirit to King Saul, or he sent a lying spirit to somebody, and, you know, for the purpose of God. And, and with those, even when Moses threw down his staff to the Egyptians, you guaranteed that God was still behind what the, the uh, Egyptian magicians did. Because... Yeah. Just to show the fact that they could do that, they have the ability, you know. And some people believe that it was sleight of hand with Janice and Jambres, but uh, you know, I don't. I believe in. I really believe in in, in miracles and and things that happen. God will allow actually things to really happen like that. Really, sure. Actual it says it in the word, so we can't really deny it. That I can't just tell people. 
that it's not possible when it's all over the scripture that these things did take place, you know? But why do you uh, want to? <laughs> you know, is, that yeah. because, is that because you're rooted in the material and you just don't want to believe that all these wild things can really happen? Is that... No, that they, they do. On in the mind of Rick. You know, no, I just know that they do. I've seen some weird stuff myself. Believe me, I've really? seen a lot of weird things. Oh, yeah. Really? I, I this can't... is a side of Rick that I had no idea existed. Please yeah. expound. <laughs> I've seen some weird things. Just in my well, travels, I've seen some me. weird spirits. I've seen, Tell me some you know, stories. Tell me a story. Uh, I, I don't have one right offhand. I mean... Oh. Just like I say, I've been in places where not saying I see ghosts, but uh, that things were following me, you know, and I was sober at the time, and nobody was around. So uh, I felt when I walked into a uh, a cult bookstore one time just to check it out, I immediately felt like I got hit, hit in the forehead. Wow. So, so uh, and I had a headache, real bad headache. And, uh, wow. you know, so I can't say that, these things don't take place. Uh, you, you you go to you know India and places where voodoo is going on, which is a lot of sleight of hand stuff too as well. But there's some things that go on. It's pretty weird, you know. And uh, you know people doing some weird uh, uh, martial arts and doing weird things with their body, you know, and uh, to spiritual influences whispering in your ear. Like you know, we got those. You know, you definitely know that they're there. You know, and they're you know. You got angels that minister to us, plus you got, you know, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called uh, uh, The Scoop Tape uh, Letters. And, uh, you know, it talks about, uh, you know, the, the demons, you know, always being, you know, influencing even the, or attacking Christians. So, uh, you know, there's, like you said before, that there's some people that have been possessed, you know. So, um you know, even in our latter day, that there's some that were possessed or something like that. So, oh, yeah. you know, I don't take it as far as, uh, what's his name? Um, you know, Malcolm good old Bob. Martin. No. Oh, uh, Bob Larson. Well, we all know Bob Larson. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, I can't say that, you know, I even the sweet man, you know, uh, uh, Father Martin, uh, you know, some of the things, of course, when I listened to those things, I did, I was like, well, you know, you know, Cool, you know, it was a good discussion, and as long as Christ was getting glorified, he explained the angels and stuff, but, um, you know, God probably used it, hopefully, to bring, uh, you know, he uses it, even even if the RCC is one of the greatest cults there ever was. Uh, yeah, but he, he really, I mean, you have to know a lot about Father Martin, you know, and that yeah. was the, when our, That's, the first Art Bell interview won't tell no. you a lot. He was really uh, engaged in finding out... And, and digging out the truth and, uh, about the RCC, about the Roman Catholic Church, he really felt that he really believed that uh, demons had infiltrated the church and also oh, Satan worshippers, Luciferians, had actually yeah. entered into the higher. Yeah, 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 I heard that, and I believe that. And of course, it happened. It just no doubt in my mind during the Dark Ages that 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 it happened that Luther even saw. He said it. now. He said now. I mean, well, back 1996. This is when he. Yeah, I think we've always been there, and uh, you know, because you know, doesn't even Satan, you know, says he's an angel, you know, of light. So yeah, on and on. Uh, we come to that. Yeah, it's like you talk about the 
serpents and, and what the magi- magicians did. You know, they even tried to turn, you know, every miracle that they tried to imitate, but they failed, you know. So, you know, compared to what true. Moses did, you know, compared to what Moses did, you know, you, you got to go, he was going, he did those signs, not just for Israel to understand, because most Israel knew there was, you know, about their God, but it was to prove that, that look, I even created your gods and all your little tricks, you know. So, you know, it shows you how sovereign God really was, that he even allowed these, you know, them to, to get away with some tricks. But to show you that, you know, yeah, I gave you the ability, I gave you the ability to do that. So, but, of course, I forbid another, you to do those things. You know, you don't need to fascinating, do... Another fascinating thing that uh, I was doing in the study that night was that um, there's this passage in Genesis where... Um, God gave uh, Moses his powers, uh, it looks like. He said, he said, Behold, I will make you as God, and I will make Aaron as your prophet. And yeah. really, if you, if you cross-reference that stuff, it really looks like God gave Moses his powers for a certain time. Well, you know, it was God working through him, actually, and, and he's going to tell you, yeah, the people that think <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to be a, a God, and... Just like it said with Paul, they thought he was a god. No, no, no. This was a really special circumstance just for Moses, is all I'm saying. Now, if you can find that scripture, I can go look it up. I did. Yeah, I can. I can probably. I found that in my inter. I found that in my actual interlinear Hebrew Bible. Yeah. So that that would be really tough for me to find that again. I didn't mark it, and that Bible is like two feet thick. So we just have to look it up. If anybody knows it, it was, you know, it was really fascinating. If you break it down, it, like he almost, you could almost say that God, uh, God turned Moses into God for just a brief time in order to accomplish His will. It's just fascinating. Well, but, oh, was it this kind of glory that his face glowed? No, no, it's where he said, "Behold, I will make you as God, and I will make your and I will make your brother Aaron as your prophet." Yes, yeah. really. It just really tripped me out. For guys like us who are way over in the sci-fi category, as Rick explains it, <laughs> that just really was a cool study for me. It's like uh, God turned to Moses. It, it, it gave Moses his powers. You know, like in that movie uh, where Jim Carrey, where uh, Jim Carrey gets to be God for three days or so. And what was the name of that movie? Um, Bruce Almighty, and I'm going to tell you something. I did not like that movie. Um, I he what? No, do you know something? He did not make any more good movies after, after he that? did that movie. Mm-hmm. I Whoa. think I think he, uh, he disappointed stepped on God. The toes. Mm-hmm. I think he disappointed oh, God. Wow. Maybe like, God just lets the world do what it wants, and uh, you know. That's a famous saying of mine. God took his hands off the world and let it spin. Right. Of course, he's, uh, he's still working in, out of it. And, uh, I don't know, Bruce did make, he did make, uh, Jim Carrey did make that movie 23, which was pretty cool. But, yeah, you're right. That was kind of his last big, cool movie. Yeah, I don't know. That's a pretty good, I like that, Suzanne. That's pretty cool. He sort of made God mad, is what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's some people believe that all those that curse God, you know, in their song, like John Lennon and uh, uh, even Jimi Hendrix, or and, you know, people that you know, people that have died, have you know, 
with their whole life taking the Lord's name in vain, and they perished because of it. So there's things oh, really? that people believe of that, and they they got a list going around the uh, uh, internet. You know those Ford flyby, you know night, you know Fords all the time, and they have that. So it could be true. It, well, you know, you know I think God uses them as an example to you know to witness to people to show people that this isn't the way to be. You know. Um, it teaches us something. Yeah, like this is what happens when you do that. Yeah. That's a good point. It's uh-huh. kind of like that church in, um, oh, what state was it, Minnesota, uh, where they were going to have a, uh, a a gay conference, and, uh, and a tornado hit it. Wow, really? Yes. yes. Wow. It just came out of nowhere. It there wasn't any tornadic storms around, and it just came out of nowhere. Wow. So, yeah, I think he does do things to show oh. us that he's watching us and, hey, look, this is wrong. You know, you know, kind he of can, warn us. He can put Jesus only so far before he, he slaps you. Well... Yes, you see, he's on the throne ruling right now, so he sits on the throne. Revelation totally tells him what, what he's doing. He's sitting. I, yeah? I, so, uh, like I said, if punishes sin, you know, he's going to, you know, there'll be that point of day where he'll punish the whole world. But, of course, there's things, you know, you reap what you sow, too, and if that freak storm came out of, you know, nowhere and did that, uh, those things happen, you know? And if that's the judgment from God, yes, there's a judgment from God then, you know? God, he's sitting on the throne. He is the judge right now, you know. And uh, first, the judgment starts in the house of the Lord. So he's judging the church, and he's judging us on a daily basis, you know, which is wonderful, you know. And, uh, and yeah, those things do happen. Uh, I, I, you know, I think there's a scripture that backs that up, too, you know. So... Uh, yeah, they're not all not not all sin, you know, will be judged. Well, all sin will be judged on the final day of the Lord, but he doesn't mean he's not going to judge it now, here and there. Yeah, he, judges, he judges it. He's in the throne of judgment now. He does it, you know, and uh, it's for people's good too. You know, it's uh, either to bring him to him, or he, like I said, or their appointed time is day of, you know. They have chosen, and they're going to where, you know, they want to be, what they have chosen. They didn't choose God, so they chose the other. And still God's going to be there. <laughs> so either way, you know. Oh, I found your, your scripture for Exodus 7. one And so then the Lord said unto Moses, this is Exodus uh, chapter 7, verse 1. The Lord said unto Moses, see, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. That's Exodus chapter seven verse one. And there's also uh, there's also another another verse where he says the same thing only it's more intense. It's got more of a it's got more of a mystical uh, bent to it where he like actually almost he almost turns them into God for a spell for a, yeah, a spell I, I, by a spell I mean a certain period of time. And I'm looking at look that up for you again. There's two so there's two there's two verses. It's not just the one you found. There's a, there's another one too, but. It's basically said. It's basically uh, talking about the same issue going to Pharaoh. Um, Cross-reference it. So here's a God. 
and 415 of us will speak unto him and put words in his mouth, and I will be in thy mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you what he shall do. Uh, and he shall be thy spokesman unto the people. This is now Exodus 4. I have said, you know, actually there's a, and thou shalt be to him instead of God. He shall be a spokesman unto the people, and he shall be even, he shall be to thee instead of a mouth. And thou shalt to him, thou shalt be to him instead of God. Well, wow. And you'll find that with the judges in the area of the judges during the time of the judges. Supposedly they were to represent God as they judged. Yeah, that's what that meant. And uh, I'm trying to find that well, verse. Well, it meant it in that context. If you really look, you'll see that it means different things in different places. But it could have been a prophecy about the Messiah being God. <laughs> and that's another thing. that There's all kinds of little hidden prophecies about Jesus where you wouldn't expect them, you know. Oh, this I mean, is all over Every, it's all over the place, man. About it's all about the Lord. Every single thing that Moses did is about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everything, yeah. every act of miracle, every everything. Even when he brought the swift, you know, uh, things that happen, like you know, uh, it's God. Like I said, if that that happened, that that tornado hit, you know, I I never heard that, but. There have been freak things that have happened to people, man, and, and uh, you're like, whoa. And, you know, like like mysteriously that atheist lady, how she died, you know, it was a mystery. They can't figure out what happened to her, you know. She was an advocate, oh, a major God hater, and hated anybody that, you know, that that were Christians, actually. And then, you know, something happened to her mysteriously, how she died, you know. And that's she really killed. the inference. That's really the unforgivable sin against the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's one interpretation of it. If that is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, then that's it, and they're not saved. But I don't, you know, it, it could be the ultimate. Yeah. yeah. We really don't know. That's another whole show we can do. You know, we can dedicate yeah. a whole show to that. The, the sin against the Holy Spirit, there's one sin that's unforgivable. I always thought it was suicide because that was your ultimate. You'd actually, you'd actually um, sinned against the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's there keeping you alive, and it's he'll he'll decide when your time is. But yeah, but it's, that's one, it's, that's one interpretation. Funny thing is, funny thing is, if you did commit suicide, that was your time <laughs> because you can say. Well, he's going to commit suicide here. Yeah. Oh, no, that's that's deep, man. I don't know if I can even comprehend yeah. that. So that <laughs> yeah, you're think yeah, you already that's knew a good that. point, you know. That's a good point, you know, but I don't know. I don't yeah. know. So, you know, and, and that is murder. You committed murder. Even murder that's murdering yourself. And uh, uh, some people have a hard well, time I'm, with it. You know, I, I, I've heard that people say also committing suicide is... Blaspheming the Holy Spirit too. I've heard that before too. I don't know where I stand on that yet, but I would be. I I stand on the though that if you do kill yourself, you have committed murder. So uh, either way, yeah. I people go. Well, we don't know if they made it to heaven or hell or not. Uh, I don't know how to answer that to somebody. I say, you know, um, yeah, me either. It's a very touchy subject because. You know, especially the circumstance when you know, I've known, I had a couple of people I know that committed suicide and they were good people. Uh, no. I, I know a couple of Christians that have done that and 
and I, you know, I can't say that, but, you know, if they were, if they were true believers and they're in heaven, you know, and, but I, you know, I don't know how to answer that. I'd say, you know, the Bible, yeah, it's believe scripture. You know, you think about when Satan says just cast thee off, you know, you can just jump off this thing that's committing suicide and the angels will catch you, you know, or even though that was more a temptation than that, but, uh, you know, that I don't know if, you know, King Saul committed suicide, you know, and uh, he was one of the Lord's anointed, so. Uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Christians have that worry that at some point in their life they've committed that sin against the Holy Spirit, that unforgivable sin, and they live in fear. And it's always uh, something that's bothered me that I wonder if I've committed that sin, you know. Yeah, if, if, you, if you are in Christ and abiding in Him now, uh, and you're in Him, no, don't you. Blaspheming in the Holy Spirit is a lot, is more than that. The blaspheming of the Holy Spirit is completely denying Christ. It's, uh, and if you're in Him now and you're a Christian, that you're, you love the Lord down, you know the Lord's working in your life, and you've, I, look, look, I tell everybody, part of my testimony is, I didn't come and say a, a sinner's prayer. You know, my prayer was, when I had on my knees, I asked God in, in the worst quotes, you know, I used to tell him, I hated you. I hated him. I said, I hate you for creating me. I, uh, I hate everything that you stand for. Uh, I hate your Bible. I hate, you know, I, I was really, and I said, you know. Said that? I was, I was cursing God out. Um, when my conversion happened, I wow. wasn't. I didn't say, "Oh Lord Jesus, please forgive me." I was asking, "What you know? What the blank do you want from me?" I was saying, "What the blank do you want from me? What what kind of guy?" I, all this stuff I was saying to him, just every curse word in the book, I was cursing at God. And what did he do? He turned around, put me in his arms. As I, I was, I was in the middle of my anger and my, my crying out. This was my, this was my actual conversion. It wasn't, no, oh Lord, uh, you know, forgive me, if, you know, blah 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 blah. What, you know, when they do the altar call, it was nothing like that. Uh, that's not how I cursed at him in the middle of my house and I said, Lord, you know. And then finally, uh, after all that, I, I guess I passed out. And uh, in the morning I woke up. Uh, I knew he was telling me when I, in my passed out state of mind how much he loved me and how much he really truly loved me, that I was his no matter what. And, you know, he put two songs in my head by an artist named uh, Keith Green. I had, that was when I got come, when I first met him. It was at a Keith Green concert in Long Beach in uh, 1981. Uh, is when I first met him, and it was the two songs that, that, uh, I, I really liked, uh, which one was called uh, Your Love Broke Through, and the other was, uh, um, was actually there's a couple songs that, but that was the major one. And it kept playing in my head for a week. It was, you know, it's just a song that would not go away. It was, it was a worship song. And uh, that's what God did. It was, that was my sinner's prayer, by the way. I, Christian God. And, uh, because I wanted to die, I was done, and you know, I, I I even knew the scripture: curse God and die. So okay, okay, I will do that. That's what I wanted to do at that moment. And uh, what did he do? You know, out of my anger uh, of me acknowledging him, 
me knowing he, I mean, at that moment, I knew he existed. I knew fully well that he was my creator. I knew fully well that I was his child too at that moment. And I get, and when he restored me the next day, uh, it took me within one week of my sickness of being on crystal meth and of uh, being an alcoholic and uh, all, you know, the rock star lifestyle that I lived, that I was trying to live, you know, uh, he just basically took that all away. He took the tweak away from me. I didn't have to kick. You know, I, this is where I got healed, where I know healing was possible because I should have been, uh, had the DTs because of alcohol. The delirium tremens, if, by the way, anybody, and it's a very, it's like that. From the tweak, I should, at the same time, the, there is a, a detox that you go through. It's not really good. Oh, it's a horrible, horrible thing. And uh, not as bad as heroin. People kick heroin because they can die. Oh. But you oh. can die also with alcohol. If you're an alcoholic, you can die too. Right, I know. And uh, he restored me within a week. I, 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 I just put it down, you know, and that was it. it was, I, I haven't had nothing since. And uh, he, he cleansed me. He And he... Started restoring my mind within that couple of months instead of a five-year fog that happens to the average uh, uh, addict who stays sober in you know certain twelve-step programs. He restored me and took away everything. Where even the thought of I mean, within two weeks, even the thought of going back was repulsive. Yeah, was, amen. Was uh, you know and. What a wonderful God that that's how I got converted, not by some, you know, altar call. Oh, you know, you know, and I was really having it out with God. I, you know, and he, he, he restored me. He told, he actually, that was the first time that I really understood how real he really was. And he told me he loved me. And I knew. Well, you know, this old famous theologian that I met one time told me that you can trace every act of God back to the fact that God loves to extend mercy. That's like his oh. most, his most, it's what God lives for. God lives to extend mercy. And almost everything you can read in the scripture, and no matter what it is, you can equate that back to God's mercy somehow. Yeah. God and loves to show mercy. Well, I just like to, uh, like anybody listening to this right now, if you don't know Jesus, you know, I really think you should uh, take time right now to uh, to tell Jesus that um, you're just going to take him on his word and believe that he's the son of God, and you're going to acknowledge the fact that he died for your sins, and and then ask him to enter your heart right now. You know, so come into my life and uh, and enter my heart, and I believe in you, Lord. I believe that you were God. I believe that you were raised from the dead, and uh, I just want you to invite you into my heart right now, and if you could just say that, then you can enter in with us and we can all be Christians together. Amen to that. Yeah, uh, if uh, if you don't know Jesus um, and you would like to know him, just pray. Pray to him and ask him into your heart and and uh, it says whatever you ask of him, you will receive and I believe that uh, he'll just pour out all of his blessings upon you. Um, just trust him and and believe. And uh, if you have a Bible, um, I would recommend the King James uh, version. 
it's not the easiest Bible to read, but it's actually the best one. And um, just get into the Word of God and and pray every day, and and God will show you what to do. Amen to that. I amen. On the other hand, also I do agree. King James is a good one, but there's also the ESV, which is uh, also from the exact. It's a really, it's really explanatory. It's and that's you know, the English standard. That's the English standard, standard version. version right yeah, the one uh, R.C. Sproul and John Piper really pushed too, and uh, I have I, I use a bunch of different ones because I used the Geneva that was before the King James, uh, 1599 and the 1570, and also I have the Aramaic Bible too that was written before. You know, they got that from the Dead Sea Scrolls, so uh, Bible written in Aramaic. The full, when I was the full 13, Bible. When I was 13 years old, my grandmother sent me a King James Bible. She knew I wasn't going to be able to comprehend it, and she she called me on the phone and she and you know to talk to me about that and and she told me she says she you know she did that to me on purpose because she wanted me to pray before I started reading the Bible. Pray That's good, though. God That's good advice. Help me uh, to help me understand the scriptures that I read. Amen. And it was slow, but you know what? He did. God helped me through it, and it taught me to pray before I got into reading my Bible. That's good. So that good. I, I just I just keep it simple for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, would, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. It, all, anyway, she likes the King James version. I, I use it. I use that. I use. But anyway, right, so we'll talk about that eventually. But I'm primarily King James. I just like yeah. it. That just, I just like yeah, it. I, I do don't too. have a good reason. I love the. I love reading it because it, uh, you know I like I like voice. And also the if everybody the Geneva Bible, which is older than this one, it just it, it reads the same. And they just they use uh, the words just the same. You know. I know both histories. It's still a good Bible, though. But sometimes the King James Version leaves some some things out that that's not exactly what Paul was trying to mean. So you, I, I tell people to use as many other Bibles too with it to, to get the emphasis of the verse. Like I go, really think I really think also you should have a Bible that's based on the Septuagint rather than the Masoretic text because the the Masoretic text leaves out some thirteen hundred years of history that may or may not be really important. And I just really think that you should have a Bible based on the Septuagint. And to find that out, it's pretty easy. Your Bible in the beginning will say if it's based on the Septuagint or the Masoretic text. Oh, if it has both, that's still good. Yeah. It doesn't matter. There's no preference. It's all... I have a question. I have a question. Um, Would that include the Book of Enoch and, and the Maccabees? No. Oh. No, the Septuagint was a was a translation that uh, seventy two scholars, some say seventy, got together and to um, really really put in context the entire scriptures. And uh, uh, then the, the Masoretic text is almost identical, but there is there is things missing, uh, especially in hist- in ancient history. There's there's things missing out of it that are in the that are, that are in the Septuagint, but it's nothing like extra-biblical text. I mean, it's not like the no. Book of Enix in there or anything. No. But I really do believe, really believe that Septuagint is better. I really do believe that. 
I say, you know, the King James Version, the original one came with the Apocrypha. And That's the Geneva, true. I mean, originally. The, the Geneva did not. That's what separated the, the, the Peasants Bible between the Government Bible, which was the King James. But it doesn't matter. It still God blesses it. And they took out the Apocrypha. God's sovereign we, over his word. You know, you've got to God is sovereign. Yeah. So to the center, uh, I would recommend... I don't know if, you know, it's like we're all three different people in, in here. And, of course, you know, we're unique in who we are. That's the blessing about God. We're unique. Uh, the Lord uh, says to Christians to be all like-minded, uh, like-minded. And we're one body, and we should be uh, all like-minded. We're all, you know, like-minded but different characters. You see what I mean? And... I say to the person, you know, that has, is listening and what is this stuff, if you're really sincere, you know, you look at all the other religions and, you know, man, you're just so sick of religions sometimes. And what, this is another religious thing and, oh, I have to do this and I have to do, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, under, really understand what it's all about, what reality is really all about. Uh, you know, you're coming to that point in your life and you're listening to this show and you're like, oh, look at these whacked out people, but you know the Lord is ministering to you anyway. And uh, you came by here, and I, like I said, I don't believe in coincidences. The uh, Lord works. And he put a thought in your head, say, hey, what's this, what's this little thing that's going on here? What are these crazy people talking about? Which I like that part. But there's uh, a psalm, Psalm 51. And this is King David, one of the, one of the greatest kings the uh, history the world has ever had, one of the greatest kings. And, it, you know, this is why the Bible talks about this kingdom, because, you know, these kings were really great. And they were really good kings. They were very fair. No, they did, but they sinned. And David came in a moment at this time where he realized, you know, his sin. And he said this, wrote this, uh, Psalm of David when Nathan the prophet kingdom after he had gone, to, you know, he committed every single, broken every ten commandment, knowing, you know, that he did. And uh, actually, in it kind of didn't phase him at first until the word came to him. And this is where you're at right now, if you're listening, you're a listener. And it's like you don't, you know, you're created in God's image and you don't know. And after he committed all these sins, Nathan the prophet came to David. Well, this is show is doing the same thing. It's coming to you and, uh, and telling you that you have sinned against God. And uh, that sin against God is death. And uh, the wages of sin is death. And <clears throat> this is why you're aging. This is why you're, you know, uh, things, you know, like nothing's perfect in your life. You know, even if it is, uh, you maybe think that you're a good person, which, you know, we all, you know, think like that. And the Bible says that we're not all good, that we've sinned against them. We were, you know, we came into this world as sinners uh, by one man, but... For that wage is in his death, and right now that you're coming to this point, you're at that wall, and uh, the only way out is Christ. That's the whole purpose for mankind that He came, that God came in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. He came on the earth for three and a half years and ministered and showed the world, all the world, that uh, salvation has come. He started out by the first words, repent for the kingdom of God that hand. He came 
and started establishing his kingdom that is going on right now. And uh, there is a major door and gate that is wide open. One of these days it's going to be shut. There's an appointed day for that door to be shut. And it's going to be shut. And those that are left outside will be weeping and gnashing of teeth forever. They're going to be, and some are going to be chosen to be out there. Some will be half ready, you know. So Don't be one work. of those people. We're going to wrap this up now, and uh, we do this with our uh, with our uh, traditional one, two, three, goodbye. One, one two, two, three.